Well, hello. We are back with another Pick 6 podcast as myself, Ollie Wilson, Jazz Gillum and Dave Bluck try to maybe win a little bit of cash on our love of the NFL each week, picking a six-team accumulator, talking the NFL, maybe uh, chucking a bit of abuse each other's way. Although generally, each week, we've been quite nice to each other, which is weird because every so often off mic and on WhatsApp, there's a little bit of abuse, like nothing too vicious, obviously, but you know. There's not too many busting of chops every so often on the podcast. Well, we all... we're only, you know, I, I could I could bring up that Jazz was so hungry last week that he was trying to eat the microphone. Um, <laughs> I was and very he was hungry. So, yeah. Yeah, and he was so annoyed at all the terrible points that he was making that he threw the microphone on the floor as well. Yeah. So. What can I say? It was doing my head in. So you want more stuff like that, Ollie? More, I mean, more of the hate? If it's directed I mean, maybe towards... Maybe a bit funnier than that, if I'm honest, Dave. That was pretty poor. But, you know, it's just par for the course for you. <laughs> so it's fine. And the trouble you think we right. have, Ollie, is lots of the, the banter we have on our between us is usually about fantasy football, and no one really cares about our fantasy football teams apart from us. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... Last week, I didn't even touch mine because I don't even care about mine. No, neither do I. It's... Didn't make the playoffs, so who cares? First yeah, first time in four years, so... It's pointless. Yeah. And Dave, we don't need to hear about how your fancy team is going, because, you know, I don't care. I won't... I'll tell you what, I'll leave it till next week to talk about after uh, I play my final. And uh, if you hear about it horribly. next week... Yeah, if you hear about it next week, uh, then you know it's, it's gone good. well. If, if it's not mentioned, then... Um, it's gone oh, poorly. it will be mentioned either way. If you win, you'll be, you'll be gloating <laughs> about it. If you lose, we'll be rubbing it in your face, don't worry. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but we've actually... Um, Away from fantasy football, because this is more interesting than fantasy football, to be honest. I put more, far more attention into looking at, at what we're doing for the pick sixes and, and looking oh, at absolutely. the NFL in general than fantasy football. Uh, oh, yeah. How did we all do last week? Any any success? Anybody got something floating around in their bank account or anything? Or? I went three and three. Three and three. Technically, I went three, two and one, because one of my games was the Seahawks game, which I had minus six, and it was technically a tie because the Seahawks won by six points. So it was a push. But I count that as a loss. So I went three and three, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I count it as a Rams loss as well. Were, because it's Rams a loss. Lost. <laughs> yeah, loss is a loss. Ollie. Thank you for repeating that for me. It's all right. No worries. I just wanted to highlight the fact that you're trying to say that you didn't go three and three when you went three and three. So it's all good. However, I'm not actually sure what the rules are on that for me. So if I do a spread bet and it gets to be a push, I'm not sure if I still win the other five or not. I have to look into it. Oh, I don't care because it's spread betting. Uh, Dave... <laughs> Dave, how did you do last week? I uh, I went four, um, one four, lost two. Browns, Cardinals, I didn't get right. Uh, Cardinals won, and uh, I bet on the Dolphins as well, and the Giants won. But I got the other ones, but phew, doesn't mean anything's a, a shame. Yeah. A shame. Well, what yeah. I was just saying earlier, I mean, loss is a loss, whether it's one game or two games or three games. Yeah, loss, loss is a loss, is loss, a loss bro. Yeah. Ollie, how did you do? Uh, I went four and two. Um, I picked the Browns to beat the Cardinals, and that didn't happen. Yep. Thanks very much, Cleveland. And I picked the Rams to beat the Dallas Cowboys in an optimistic hope that that would put the NFC firmly in the Eagles' hands, and that didn't happen either because I wouldn't no. want to put a football in Jared Goff's hands for love and money this year, which I've finally learned at the, what the last two weeks of the season. So that's good. Good that's timing good start. to yeah. Yeah. Um, Though I felt like about Dak Prescott all year as well, so. That's, oh, that's why I bet on the Rams. I thought of the two quarterbacks, I think Goff has a better chance of beating Prescott, but clearly I was wrong. Well, they were playing well going into that game as well. There's it's, that too, of course. It's so yeah. frustrating. I think you got very unlucky with that, Ollie, because the Browns and the Rams should have won those games. Yeah. Yeah. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. 
didn't out of pocket once again, which means Dave, you are still the only winner on this podcast so far of any of these. I bets. know we really, we really need to get to get some more money. High hopes for this week. Well, we have we have expert analysis coming on on the show, so maybe we can all take some wisdom from that. Unfortunately, it's mainly based around the Cowboys because Sky Sports Richard Graves is going to be joining myself for a quick chat about the Dallas Cowboys against the Eagles on this podcast. But, you know, he's managed to convince me, not that I needed much convincing, to bet against the Eagles this week, which seems like a pretty smart thing to do, all things considered. Uh, we got into a bit of tape gate as well, Jazz, because you still think yep. that's a thing? Definitely a thing. And it's not deeper a thing? Deeper than you think. It's deeper than you think. It's not that deep. They're playing the long game. It's, it's it's really shallow. It's a paddling pool compared to other Patriots scandals. Just, maybe it's a paddling pool. It's a paddling cesspool, at least. And, <laughs> and, uh, and Dave, you gave us the idea of looking at our ideal wildcard matchups coming up this week and uh, using some methods to predict what we think will happen in terms of the rest of the last two weeks of the season, which is kind of like putting on, I guess, an accumulator for the next two weeks, which we actually could have done and should have done. It's... Put a what a, 30, a twelve team accumulator. A thirty like, should be twenty four teams, wouldn't it? So you have to put two lots of two, like do the NF- NFC ones and the AFC ones. Yeah, I mean that would be long odds, and then some that for a pound savage. bet. Yeah, yeah, that would be even just Let's, the, you know. Can, can we try and can we try and like get to a stage where we kind of win some like money on like twenty to one, thirty to one bets before going like <laughs> crazy five thousand to one and stuff. You're saving for the uh... those this season. I failed quite a lot. Well, I got to twelve out of fourteen one week, and that was galling. Yeah, it's so tough when you lose. If I just one. stopped at twelve, it would have been like four thousand to one rather than eight thousand to one. Got greedy, Jazz. Did you have a cash out? Did you get a cash out option on that? No, because one of the games at last was one of the early games. Oh. Yeah. So I was already hard. I thought, oh, it's fine. Throw it away. And then saw the rest of them coming in. I was like, oh, come on. And I think the primetime game I lost. So that didn't matter anyway. But yeah, 12 out of 14 is galling. Well, fingers crossed for all of us this week in terms of our bets. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll just leave it at that. Enjoy the podcast. And... uh, like, subscribe, follow on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all other good outlets as well. Enjoy. And Epstein didn't kill himself. Awesome. Over the middle, picked off! Season fired, intercepted! Blitz coming. Pass is picked off! He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore. Down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. Start with that, straight off the bat. Um, Tape gate, as it's being called on various websites. Jazz is very much into this. Dave, you buying... Tape gate as a thing? Or are you selling? I'm, I'm selling. I, I just can't imagine that the Patriots would cheat like that against the one and thirteen Bengals, um, and think that they could get away with it when they were invited in and they were filming like right in front of this scout. It just doesn't add up like when they cheated before and they got done for it it was in huge games where the stakes were high and i just can't imagine that they would 
kind of risk this to beat the Bengals in a fairly nothing game. However, when you think about it, though, mate, if the the Tell Bills me. the Bills beat the Steelers, didn't they? So Bills win that game. If the Pats had lost against the Bengals, I'm not saying they were going to in all likelihood, but they want to try and get whatever advantage they could. So therefore, do that little bit of recording, find some things they can use, and shockingly, they probably let the Bengals score more points than they should have done just to make it look like they didn't know what was going on. That's my take <laughs> that's, on it. Oh my god! That's, that's deep, deep state thinking. That's that is. Deep. <laughs> Bel- Belichick deep. is the smartest football mind on the planet, so I guess it makes sense for him to be as deep, that, deep and serious on that with uh, with his cheating. It's yeah, not. That way it's it not a story. I, but the thing is, well, when they were doing the the spying thing before, when they were told what to say if you get caught, they said just say you're doing documentary for X, Y, or Z, and that's exactly what they said. It's literally the exact same words. Except that they have so actually been doing a season-long documentary with previous episodes that are already there. I, I will admit that for a documentary, filming the advanced scout and doing a behind-the-scenes on what he does is a pretty boring episode of a documentary. It's whatever very doing. dry. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. Which that is a dry biscuit. to the point of why you're doing it in the first place. But that's the thing. They do at least have precedent of they've got these previous episodes up online and they probably milked most of that team dry already in terms of here's what we do on game day. I mean, do your job on week 17 will likely be the Patriots tea lady that serves the executive boxes <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that she's doing oh, her on. job, giving it 100% on game day, but, you know, she's pouring a cup of tea. I don't know tea. why you had to be sexist about it. Sorry, well, he yeah, could, could, could be a man. He could be pouring the tea, to be honest. The question question with it, though, is is that really what it's for? They've come out and said that the Advanced Scout was part of the Do Your Job documentary series. They've said that. That was what it was. They said it was for, yeah. It's part of the Do Your Job, yeah. I mean, this is the audio of uh, the leaked video from Jay Glazer from Fox Sports of when the Bengal security busted the guys from the New England Patriots filming the Bengal sideline, which are not allowed to do as part of their filming the documentary about the advanced scout. This is the audio that came out. And this is a piece you're filming on your advanced scout? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, guys. I don't see the advanced scout in this footage. No, it's not. We were trying to get some field perspective. It's my bad. That's not the field. That's why you would think you could take that. I didn't know. I did But I can delete this right here for you. <laughs> Damage is done, my friend. No, it isn't, because we deleted it. Yeah, once it got deleted, it's gone. Two yards away. Yeah, it's gone. Yards gone. Yards on the I can't get that for yards. There's no way I can get that footage back. I'm being honest with you. And I don't have a computer like to even put it that way. Once this card, that's it. Yeah, I don't see the advance scout in any of this video they're shooting. And I find in that audio, it's interesting that the Bengals security guys say you're not filming the advanced scout in any way, shape or form. And the guy says, we're filming field perspective. And the guy says, well, you're not filming the field either. But actually, when you make a movie, 
you need something called B-roll. So even if you're filming something about the advanced scout, you're going to be filming other parts of what they do. You're going to be filming what they're looking at. And I'm sure the advanced scout is looking, maybe not filming, but looking at the Bengals sideline for things like substitutions on certain plays and certain downs and making notes on that, without a doubt. So they're just filming what he might be looking at. And I kind of buy into their naivety of they're just a film crew that didn't know they were allowed to film that. I don't, I just don't, I just don't. I think if you're part of the, the Patriots organisation, there's naivety goes out the window. You're going to tell me the, the guys who are deflating the balls were naive? Oh, they were just told to do that. That's what they were told to do. That doesn't doesn't sit well with me. Also, if you're going to argue they're trying to look at substitutions, if you watch the field, you can see the substitutions far more clearly because you see the people running off and running on. That's far easier to track it than watching the sideline. I'm, but I'm there's just... no other. There's nothing else that it could have been with Deflate Gate, really. If if oh, you're no, totally. there's, but in this case, there is a credible alternative, which to me sounds a lot more credible than them sitting these guys down, these three or four guys and a producer, whatever, and saying, "Look, go and film the Bengals sidelines so we can figure out their calls." Also, if you're a filmmaker, you're and you're stuck with, you can mainly film in the press box at that point. So you're going to film the guy who you're following as he does his job in the press box. You're going to get action shots of what's going on on the field. What are, what else can you film in terms of B-roll and, and other potentially interesting things, except for maybe the nearest sideline that has action going on it as players come in and out pre-snap and stuff like that? I just think it's a case of there have been long shooting, a load of B-roll for them to chuck in as filler during interviews and, and voiceover changes and things like that. And they've been they've been busted for it and they've suddenly realised, oh no, this is pretty illegal. I just There'll be an investigation yeah. and the Patriots should get punished around it for sure. But I don't think this is like an all-encompassing cheating or that the Patriots have been doing this all year. That's the other thing that like fans and people are starting to say, well, well how many games have they been doing this at? It's pretty obvious if you've got a camera crew following you, right? So yeah, true. The only thing is, though, the issue, the reason why people are up in arms about this because it is the Patriots and they've got history of it. If they had history of it, if the Eagles were doing it, they'd be like, "Oh, it's just the Eagles being the Eagles. It's nothing worried about there." But it's because yeah, the Patriots do so much and they bend the rules and try and do things they have done and been punished for plenty of times. It just makes you wonder. Maybe there is more to it than we see. And maybe, maybe if we're going really deep conspiracy here, the oh. whole do your job documentary, that was all just a massive guise to cover up all the other things they were doing all season. I don't believe that. <laughs> but it'd be interesting if that was the case. How deep does this go, Jazz, in your head? How we're deep can you make this go? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brilliant. man. Well, look, Tape Gate will run on. We'll the, see. The Patriots will get penalised, but I don't think we need to build it up as much as something as deflate gate in any way shape or form uh let's look at the important stuff uh and i don't mean the bengal sideline because that really isn't very important to be honest no, um, and look at the games <laughs> coming up for week 16 of 17 and obviously all the playoff permutations and everything like that uh before we dive into the other big games there's of course a, a massive game coming up for anybody who loves watching the nfc east right now which is very few people <laughs> 
in fairness. Uh, the Cowboys... It's dumpster fire, isn't it, this year? <laughs> Cowboys against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I spoke to Richard Graves of Sky Sports uh, and NBC as well. He starts to... He started dipping his toe as a British man in the uh, US sports market over there with a bit of on-screen time, which I'm quite impressed with. Uh, he's a Cowboys fan. We kind of have slammed the Cowboys for the first few weeks of this podcast as well. So it's, uh, it's kind of restoring Sorry. the balance slightly with him uh, coming on to coo about what is the Eagles against the Cowboys and the Cowboys heavy favourites. This is Richard Graves from Sky Sports and I chatting. A self-described man of the people. Others have called him a man of the world. Uh, he is a reporter for Sky Sports NFL, for NBC uh, NFL as well, making waves in the US as the man uh, from England with all of the knowledge and they absolutely love him on the other side of the pond. We, we tolerate him, I suppose. Richard Graves from Sky Sports is, uh, is on the podcast. Rich, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing well. I tell you, with that introduction, I need you as my PR man. That was quite something. <laughs> uh, the thing is, you've not—that's not the first time you've said that this year either. To be honest, when we've uh, <laughs> been down at Wembley and stuff, so I think there is a—I'm definitely hunting for a job in some way, shape, or form. Ride those coattails wherever I can, man. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're actually the person that described me as the man of the world. I, I am. Yes, <laughs> I, I regret that statement very much. So, but now I've got to lean into it. To be honest, I definitely have to lean into it. Unfortunately, there's also video evidence of that. So. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> and, and it's weird because we, we seem to get on reasonably well around these places, yet we we are on the opposite sides of the NFC East. And in theory, we should be arch rivals and not speaking at all this week. I'm definitely not looking forward to any conversation we have next Monday for sure. But with the Cowboys playing the Eagles, and we've been pretty harsh on the Cowboys on this podcast, I figured it was time to balance the scales a little bit and get you on allow you to wax <laughs> lyrical, particularly after a big win. Well, and that's been a long time coming, let me tell you. It's been a barren month as November into December, if you're a follower of the Dallas Cowboys. But yes, Sunday was welcome. It's been interesting as well, watching from a distance the highs and lows of, if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan like yourself, which I imagine leaves you with absolutely no nails left at all lately. Uh, no nails, uh, no confidence, no hope, I think is what I'm at at the moment. I sit there and I think, well... Thank goodness Ortega Whiteside has decided to make a couple of catches in the last few weeks and he's about the only person that really is right now. I mean, so I have this thing because we were we were talking just before this about Jared Goff and I have this thing about Carson Wentz in that Jared Goff, I don't think is a very good quarterback, really. I think he's a human PlayStation controller, basically, with Sean McVay pressing the buttons at the right time. But for Carson Wentz, he doesn't fill me with confidence at any point except for that one magic year that he had. And you think about the talent around him that he had at that point as well. I, I see Carson Wentz, his maneuverability, his his decision-making a lot of the time as well is quite frustrating. And I'm, I'm sure you have the same thing with Dak Prescott in moments under centre for <laughs> Dallas. But it, it doesn't. people are too quick to wax lyrical, I think, about Wentz. Well, it's an interesting comparison, isn't it? Because, of course, both Wentz... Uh, and uh, Prescott and Goff, for that matter, as well, all came out of the same draft class. Obviously, Wentz and Goff went one and two, um, and Dak Prescott was a fourth-round pick um, back in 2016, I think it was. The, I, I was never, at the time, um, high on Jared Goff going number one overall. And if you're a, a Rams fan, the worrying thing for me is that I still don't think he sees all the field. Um, we've heard in this last week um, an analysis of Sunday's game and I heard one commentator say, well, the problem is Jared Goff isn't a, a pocket passer or a drop-back passer. And I'm like, well, that's a problem um, if that's the case. And you saw again on Sunday them talking about the Rams going to the hurry-up offense just, be, just because it gave Sean McVay more time to be in the ear 
um, with the, the helmet uh, mic for, for Jared Goff. Now, you've just handed him a big money contract in, in the offseason. I actually think Jared Goff is regressing somewhat. And there were wide open passes early on in that game that he flat out missed receivers or didn't give them the chance to move upfield and move the sticks. That game ended up being a blowout to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm telling you, if Jared Goff puts the ball in the right place on a couple of those early drives, it could have been very different. Carson Wentz, on the other hand, I honestly, I like what I see. He's got all the intangibles. He's mobile. He's athletic. He's got a big arm. I think it's a confidence thing with Carson Wentz. Ever since he got injured um, in that season where he's been spoken about in contention to be an MVP candidate and Nick Foles came in and went on that unbelievable run to win the Super Bowl. I think, first of all, Carson Wentz struggled with Nick Foles being in that same room um, as him. You heard murmurs from the Eagles camp that he wasn't entirely happy even when, when he came back. And, you know, one of the reasons that Nick Foles moved on in free agency might have been that they then give Carson Wentz this big money contract uh, price to the start of this season. And I I don't think he's ever found himself comfortable with the expectations that, that come with that. Now, mm-hmm. look, I understand that he's got next to no receiving core whatsoever at the moment due to injuries and so on, which makes it difficult. But I, I just think in Carson Wentz, you've got a man with all the intangibles there. He's just struggling to find his role in a team and in the NFL right now. And struggling to find a healthy fit starting receiver yes. and uh, and tackle guard as well, particularly like Lane Johnson out. It looks awful. That offensive line doesn't get much help for sure. Now, as we've touched on, you are a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, I'm always interested in uh, in what head injury caused this for you. What, what bump <laughs> on the head <laughs> made you wake up and think, yeah, Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys are my team. How does that come about? <laughs> hey, hey I, I can remember being a kid and watching um, the highlights show on Channel 4 as used to have with Gary Imlat. Uh, and back in those days, the Dallas Cowboys were, were the team. Blue Star on the helmet, Aikman, Smith, Irving. And they were winning Super Bowls at times. So I was like, this is pretty good. I think but we'll follow them. And no sooner had I committed to them, then suddenly they, they weren't very good. <laughs> and as it turns out, they haven't won a Super Bowl since. They haven't even been to the NFC Championship game. So that, that probably follows a, a number of teams that, that I follow. And I might actually be the problem with that. But we're, <laughs> we're persevering. Uh, and one day it's going to happen. Is it going to be this year? I mean, the, the NFC East has been a terrible division. But, it's awful. Uh, yeah, we... Will Gavin, actually, a good friend of ours, put a tweet out saying, can we just forget the NFCs for about four years until it's regrouped again? And I begrudgingly agreed with it more than anything else because it is tough that. to watch. I was a bit surprised. <laughs> it, is, it is so tough to watch NFC matchups. I mean, even the Eagles beating Washington this week wasn't enjoyable to watch in any way, shape or form. And that was a, another nail biter for Eagles fans. But the well, Dallas- that was almost as much fun as watching them win on Monday night football against the Giants, wasn't it? Oh, goodness, yeah. <laughs> The uh, the the friends that I've got who uh, who wake up in the middle of the night and check the scores and see it's seventeen nothing and they're like oh my goodness this is a bombed out Philadelphia side right now and then suddenly thank goodness for Zach Ertz as well I mean there's a couple of times that we've had to say that about him this year but um but Dallas's roster and setup it's there to win games I mean in theory this is a team that should be putting up big scores week in week out like we saw this week. Well, well, this is the thing, and I will tell you, anybody listening to local sports networks in the, the Dallas Metroplex area will say, going into this weekend's game against the Rams, this Cowboys team was written off by everybody. And the thing is, as we've seen it from this um, team in recent years, the moment they get written off and there's no expectation from anyone at all, 
that's when they're at their most dangerous. And suddenly they pull out a performance and a result. You know, if you look at the style of that game on Sunday, they couldn't even get the coin flip call right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they bring in a new kicker. He probably kicks it straight out of bounds and he set up what, what was a Rams offense that came into the game absolutely on fire on their own 40-yard line. You then keep a drive alive with a, a defensive penalty and you think, oh boy, here we go again. But you flip that on its head. Demarcus Lawrence was the man at the, the coin flip that said, no, no, we want to be on the field first. First time I've seen that or heard that from um, almost any Cowboys player over the last two months. Actually being proactive, a positive. They make a stand. They keep the Rams off the board. And then suddenly you have a long touchdown drive. They score on a, um, a second touchdown drive um, with, with Tavon Austin being wide open. And then they go 97 yards from their own three-yard line. And what I saw on Sunday for the first time all year was an offensive line that's been much hyped much talked about all year long, but quite frankly, had played well below expectations. Suddenly they were dominating a good defensive front. And to put it into some sort of perspective, you go back to January in that playoff game in the LA Coliseum when the Rams dominated the Cowboys' defensive line, um, rushing the ball. I think they out outrushed Dallas by 220-odd yards. We'll flip that around uh, this weekend. Mm. Suddenly it's the Cowboys' running game that dominated outrushing the Rams by 240-odd yards. That's in the same calendar year. Now, fine, you can turn around and say, well, there was no Roger Saffold this time for the Rams' offensive line, or there was no Ndomokun Sue on the defensive line. But equally, you can look at Dallas and say, well, they've changed things around as well as different personnel. But essentially, the, the core makeup of both sides of the ball was the same. And that's an astonishing turnaround. And in my opinion... If the Cowboys were to make the playoffs, people will laugh at this, but they're the sort of team you fear just because as frustratingly and maddeningly inconsistent as they can be, they have all the pieces there on any given day to put in a performance. They, cer they certainly do, and it's, it's frustrating to watch from the other side of the of the line, so to speak, as an anti-Cowboys and, uh, and see the talent that's there. I mean, are you tired as a Cowboys fan of seeing Ezekiel Elliott do that? eating celebration every first down. I mean, it should be common practice that he's picking up these 10-yard gains and whatnot. I, I don't mind it when it's a big play and an important point of the game. <laughs> I, I think every time you, you rush and move, move the chains, I don't think it's necessary. He's established <laughs> his reputation. We know he's a good player. Get on with the game. And especially in the last month when they've been losing games, the last thing you want to see is Zeke giving the feed me sign because your team's not getting it done. Mm. Well, yeah, I... I'll give him a pass on this past weekend. What about this coming weekend um, against Philadelphia? This The expectation is suddenly back on Dallas, particularly after the performance against the Rams. The, the Eagles are one of the most beaten up sides in key positions as well, which isn't an excuse per se, but I'm going to kind of use it as an excuse at the same time. And uh, and You keep turning them out. <laughs> <laughs> and Dallas keep... Dallas should again on paper walk over this beaten and bruised Philadelphia side that hasn't played well for most of the season, right? Well, forget most of the season because most of the season doesn't matter. It's how the teams are playing now. And I know the Eagles coming, uh, having won the last two games. The problem is I've watched both those games and I haven't seen much that I like there. They've beaten two bad teams, but they've only just scraped over the line. Mm. Um, I, and I... I'm sorry to say this to you because I know this is going to hurt, but I see no other result than Dallas walking into the link and walking out as winners by probably two scores. Uh, you, you've, you've touched upon it that 
They they have a badly beaten up offensive line. They have a decimated receiving core. Carson Wentz is not playing well. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, you know, again, it's a deeply depleted defensive side of the ball. You've still got um, Jim Swartz constantly blitzing the opposing quarterback. Well, Dak Prescott has already shown in the first meeting of the season that if you do that to him, whether the Cowboys are playing well or not, he is going to pick that apart. I don't think in many areas of the field the, the Eagles match up well in this one. And you throw into the equation as well Dak Prescott's record against the Eagles over the last three years. The only times they've managed to turn over the Cowboys was in that Super Bowl run a couple of years ago. That aside, he's had the the the, uh, the mark over the Philadelphia Eagles. That means we're going to be hearing more from Jerry Jones as well then in the next few weeks, right? Which is something we well, all really want to hear that. Well, well, here's the thing with that, because again, I'll tell you, listening to sports talk radio in, in the Metroplex, to a man, no one wants Jason Garrett to be head coach next season. They all say he's a great guy, nothing personal, but as a, a coach of the Dallas Cowboys, they want to see a change. Jerry Jones clearly thinks that Jason Garrett's his man and what, what really badly wants this to work. Um, so what happens? It, if the Cowboys get into the playoffs, is that enough to keep uh, Jason Garrett's job safe? I don't think so. Remember, he's playing uh, coaching out the last year of his current five-year deal. There's a talk that the Cowboys, as a minimum, probably have to get to the NFC Championship game if Jason Garrett's to get, get a new deal. I, as I said earlier, I think on any given Sunday, this Cowboys team can, can beat any other team in the NFL. Whether they're good enough consistently to at least get to the NFC Championship game, even I would struggle with a straight face to say yes right now. <laughs> and that is at least music to my ears that they aren't going to be the favourites in the NFC and I won't have to perhaps witness that throughout the playoffs. And uh, you're going to be at the Super Bowl as well. Just how big is that grin going to be? I mean, you'll be insufferable if Dallas make it to the Super Bowl in Miami, man. I, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do believe you, you already owe me a pint for a wager on the opening night of the season. So if Dallas, I, I wouldn't go double or quits. <laughs> I was going to say, if Dallas make it to the Super Bowl, we'll definitely find a way to go double or quits somehow on that game. <laughs> And if it means that I get to, if I have to give you two beers to ensure that I enjoy the Cowboys losing, I'm fine with that. That is that is fine on my. What part. happens if they win then? Oh well, you have to give me beers so I can drown my sorrows, and <laughs> unfortunately, that will also mean that I'll have to have the beers with you while you're a Super Bowl <laughs> champion. Which again, that's a... here's the thing, though. I mean, we, we talk about um, offensive stats, and Dallas have the number one ranked offense in the NFL. I, I don't like that stat because it's purely on offensive yards and quite often um, Dallas this season with a 7-7 and record have been gaining garbage time yards. I don't think that that means an awful lot. There's one stat that's been brought up by a, a journalist over in, in uh, Texas that has really caught my eye. Um, it's an amalgamation of, of several. As the Cowboys offense goes, the number of games in the Dallas Cowboys history where they scored 30 or more points, had over 400 yards of offense and won that game by 10 or more points. This season, with a 7-7 seven and seven record, Dallas have six of those games. Let me put that into some sort of perspective. Way back in 1992, they had two of those games. You, you look further on to 2007, when they went 13-3 and three under Wade Phillips, they had the then-franchise high five of those games. 2014, when they went 12-4, and four, three of those games. This season, where they're 7-7, seven and seven, They've got six of those. I think that's remarkable mm. because it really does highlight 
how inconsistent this team can be. And bear in mind, still this season, the Cowboys haven't won a game where they haven't scored at least 30 points in that game. It's incredible, and that's the reason more than anything else why I don't think you can take the Dallas Cowboys team seriously as a Super Bowl contender. But on any given day, if the opposition doesn't turn up and overlooks the Cowboys, then that is also why the Cowboys can turn them over. Yeah, if they get hot, they get really hot, unfortunately, uh, in Texas. Rich, thanks for uh, thanks for the quick chat, man. Really appreciate the time, buddy. No, it's great. Anytime. Loved it. And uh, yeah, let's do it again in Florida. Big thanks to Rich. Uh, we'll have his accumulator coming up later on in the show as well. So an actual expert mind, as opposed to our minds, putting together a six-team accumulator. Although I will say, I don't think he's gone that wild i think he's played it a little safe compared to uh to other accumulations i think it's hard put... hard to play it safe uh this weekend as we'll get on to yeah don't I don't know think how it's you really, really play it safe unless you want to win like yeah. two pounds exactly yeah. yeah i couldn't get over like 12 12 to 1 with really safe stuff well the argument would be that if you put a 12 to 1 bet on and you put your one pound on you still win 12 pounds that's still a win isn't it yeah it's not it takes the fun know, out of it it's not what i not what i want jazz <laughs> on that big win <laughs> that's what we're all about have you well, got any? Did you say you had any Cowboys slamming stats stumps this week? No, not this week. Mm. No, well, no, afraid were... not. Cowboys corner is uh, has been taken it's over dry. by Richard. Yeah, ominously silent. Unfortunately, yeah, after a forty-four kicked me off Cowboys uh, Cowboys corner, rightfully so. Yeah. yeah, shocking how a big win can quiet the haters, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it quietens me down. I tell you what, coming. So I've just received a message from him today with another. Pro Cowboys stat about how Elliot is t- like twenty six and four in games that he gets ninety six yards or more in as a running back. He's never had less than ninety six yards against Philadelphia. He's only ever beaten Philadelphia. Uh, and he said, "I wasn't sure how to express this." So obviously, he puts it on Twitter publicly rather than doing it nicely on WhatsApp <laughs> or something privately. So we are falling out by the uh, by the minute in the build-up to that game. But there are a load of big games coming up this weekend. Uh, I don't know where you guys want to dive in first. We've got playoff palmitations coming up all over the place. All over and, the place. And thankfully, uh, Dave has directed us towards this thing on ESPN, which is the playoff machine that allows you to put in your winners and losers over the next two weeks and work out your uh, your favourite wildcard weekend uh, matchups. Oh. Which is uh, which is always good, but you got the 49ers against the Rams this week, Seattle against the Cardinals, the Titans against the Saints. There's a huge Packers against Vikings game, the Texans against the Bucks, and of course the Bills against the Patriots. Any suggestions where you want to start here, Jazz? I mean, I think Bills Patriots might be a good place to start, and look in Texans Bucks because those are the two earliest games on Saturday. Hey, don't look too much at the Patriots because people will accuse you of spying and going down <laughs> rabbit holes with that. You don't want to do that in any way, shape or form. That uh, is meta. That is layers. <laughs> that is very layers. meta. I love that. I love uh, that. I just think that from my point of view, I think the Patriots will probably win this game of the weekend. It'll be a shame. It'll be a close game from what I think. But I just don't think Josh Allen's going to have enough to outfox Bill Belichick. But it's whether it does... Tom Brady can outfox Sean, McDerm- Sean McDermott and the, uh, their very good secondary at the... The Bills, I was going to say, the do the Patriots? I don't think the Patriots have the firepower to beat this Bills defense. That's one of my favorites to watch coming into not only into this game but into the yep. playoffs as well. So, uh, Dave and I were chatting very briefly uh, before you got on here, Jazz, about wild card weekend matchups and stuff. And and I kind of said, the Patriots, you want to see taking on a really good offense and a, a well balanced offense because that is the way. If you can get anything on that defense of theirs, that's the way you're going to beat them in playoff mode. And yep. I. 
I kind of think that I berate Josh Allen, but obviously his his running ability does help to uh, to add that extra dimension. I, I like the the tandem combo with uh, Singletary and Gore, who Gore. still is running pretty nicely for a, for an old old ass man. And um, <laughs> that's putting it politely. I think there is a punchiness about that run game to wear down a Patriots defense, and I think Josh Allen has enough weapons, including the deep threat of Josh Brown, to be able to to cause a real problem for New England this weekend. Revelation this season is John Brown. Absolute revelation. Yeah, and has been more than happy to go off on a number of occasions. The difference is it's at Gillette Stadium, which is always a tough one, obviously, to go to for anybody. But the Bills are used to this sort of weather because this is kind of their ballpark too. And if it snows, there's no difference to Buffalo, New York, is it? So, I mean, from that point of view, you can't argue that geography should play into it. It's just it's great to have such a big divisional matchup this far into the season. In the AFC East, that actually means something. Usually it means nothing, mm. apart from who's getting the first pick. This is the kind of year, uh, point of the year where normally the Patriots play Miami and Miami get that flute win and catch the Patriots off guard, which again... Yeah, like playing Wildcat. <laughs> maybe, maybe the Bills can do that too. Maybe the Bills can catch the Pats off guard late on in the season. Yeah, but I mean, the the Bills are what ten and four? No, it's, yeah, ten and four. So I mean, that means that they're four, yeah. not a fluke, are they? No, you know not in mean? any way, shape, or form. So I mean, in that sense, it's if they were to win, it wouldn't be a fluke. It would just be a very good game. I would love to see the Bills win. I don't think they will, but I would love to see that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've picked against uh, the Patriots for the third time in four weeks, but I <laughs> <laughs> um, think you don't like them for some reason. Yeah, it's weird that, isn't it? I mean, um, twice it's worked out for you. Is it going to happen three out of four? That's the question. Exactly, but yeah, I just uh, I wish it was. Uh, I wish it was not at Foxborough. I just think that that's it's going to be a tight game anyway. That might be enough. And their defense last week, the Patriots just looked as good as it was at the beginning of the season. Um. Mm. And it is ominous. It was the Bengals. Their though. defense. If they show up in the in the playoffs, they could go all the way off the back of their defense. Yeah, like I said, it was the Bengals, and they had been recording the sidelines. So I mean, take those things <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they should know everything. The uh, the NFC North got a massive matchup as well this weekend with the Vikings taking on the Green Bay Packers in prime time in Minnesota, which I think is the game changer for who I picked to win this one because. Who you picked? I, I reckon Minnesota get it done against Green Bay. I've got them as well, yeah. I like Green Bay here. Okay, tell me why. Tell me because why. I can't get excited about Green Bay too much. I think their defense has been a bit underrated this year. I think they'll be able to stop Dalvin Cook. Is Thielen, I'm not sure if Thielen's back and playing yet, but I think they've got enough on the back end to stop the aerial attack with Kirk Cousins and get to him. And although the Minnesota D is very good, I just think... Aaron Rodgers might just do something this week. He might go back to his old Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Jones has been playing very well. So in that sense, I think offensively, they should probably just about scrape it. And defensively, because I'm not a big fan of Kirk Cousins, I think the Packers will do it. And it's in a dome. So you take the weather out of it. Who's your better quarterback, Rodgers or Cousins? Yeah, but I think, A, because it's in a dome, it's going to... It'll be louder, so you give the Vikings that home field advantage. That place does get really loud as well, which which will cause an element of a problem for Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to stop him in any way, shape, or form. But um, but I like Kirk Cousins at home. I like Dalvin Cook when he's got a, a solid surface rather than any frozen tundra or anything like that. I mean, I love Dalvin <laughs> Cook, to be honest. I think off the edge, he's fantastic. Um, 
And uh, I mean, with or without Thielen, I still think they've got enough in Rudolph and Diggs in particular that Cousins can can have a very good game. And the Packers D has been fine. It's bang average in terms of numbers, pretty much down the line. It's very much middle of the pack rather than anything else. And the only difference is if Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams can have an effective day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the difference maker for the Packers. But that's kind of been the difference maker that the Packers have been missing for a long time is a run oh. game. When they yeah. get down into the crunch, it's just Rogers, Rogers, Rogers. And and this year Aaron Jones got fourteen touchdowns. Smell like that. And Jamal Williams, I really like as a as a second back. He takes a a lot of Aaron Jones's time as uh, as Dave and I were looking at earlier. Yeah. But yeah. I think you, rightfully uh, so. And uh, as I said to Ollie before we started recording Aaron Jones has moved up to ninth on the top scorer list, Jazz. Oh. With Christian McCaffrey at six, Aaron Jones at nine. Wow. So Keep bear that in mind. breaking year. And also, staying on stats, this is, um, this is a bit, you know, I'm cheating here because I'm just reading it off the screen, but, and I just <laughs> looked it up while you were talking, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers, let's, let's have a look at the last five games. More than the Patriots, are. Two, let's have a look at their last five games 203 yards 195 yards 243 yards 100 yards 233 yards I mean yeah nice numbers if you you like if you like that sort of thing (laughs) he hasn't gone he hasn't gone over 250 yards in those in the last five games it's just not the Rodgers that we used to is it but what's their record in those five games They've won four. So, well, if you don't, if you haven't got to go more, then why are you going to bother? If you're running the ball well, that's what you need. Well, your defense plays well. Yeah, isn't that well, a nice? On, but they've gone on winning streaks before, where where he has. Oh yeah. Put up big numbers, so. Um, but wouldn't you? You know, in some of those games, a couple of those games were tight as well. Wouldn't you look though at the rushing yards in those games last week? 100 yards, 167 a week before, 243 the week before that against the New York Giants. I mean, the mm-hmm. fact uh, what they were slow against the Niners on the ground, but 225 the week before. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, oh no, that's the passing yards. Excuse me, uh, 100, 174, 117 against the Niners, 163 on the ground. I mean. They've had wow, yeah, that's tr- that's, that's so good strong. Isn't it? Football, I mean, though, isn't you know, it? maybe you know, that's maybe balanced. you could just see, yeah, that they are more balanced and that their defense is is stepping up more this year and getting turnovers and getting stops. I think they've got, I think they're one of the better defenses for turnovers. Um, I think they're top five. I can't remember. But um, if you look at what Matt Lafleur was, was good in Tennessee yeah. with, he was good with the running game. The Packers have missed a running game for however many years. Mm, and yeah. this year they've got a running game going, which has been a bit more, not dependable, but far better, which has taken some of the load off Rodgers. So he hasn't got to do as much of the crazy throws that mean he has to put up 400 yards to win a game. Thing is, though, Jazz, in the playoffs, it's going to come down to Rodgers getting things done. And so far this season, I just can't see that he's the guy who's going to have that fourth quarter. I still think he could. I, I, think I mean, of course he could, I, and I really, I love watching him. I yeah. mean, I kind of, you know, I hope that he does produce some awesome games in the playoffs. But I think that they're one of the teams that I least want to watch in the playoffs. I think That's Alan fair. Alan Lazard coming on in the last in the latter part of the season in particular is really Has useful really because yeah. the the Rogers Adams connection is obviously there to see, Very but good. also. For, there was a long period of this year where that was kind of the only connection for a lot of this year. 
Or not there at all when Adams was injured. He was injured, yeah. So Lazard coming in as another semi-dependable receiver for Rodgers to spread the ball about, as well as having uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams out of the backfield on the the nice check-down routes that they've used a lot this year whenever I've seen them, I think is a massive help. Lazard has kind of helped to stretch the play a bit, and it just gives them a bit more depth at that receiver position in terms of form going into the playoffs, which is exactly when you want it, but... Yeah, that's a nice point. Yeah, I'm kind if of he on... can, if he can stay on that hot streak, then you know they've they have got options Enough. in the passing game. Yeah, I don't agree with me, Dave. I was about to say I am on your corner though. If they're a team that I'm not that excited to see in the playoffs, <laughs> well, no, I'm kind of you know I'm t- you can hear that I'm torn on it, um, and I don't think it's like a it's not a I don't think it's like a hot take or anything because I don't want to I don't want to kind of stick to it because I think that. I think Green Bay, if we think, I know that they haven't won many Super Bowls, but they have been one of the most exciting teams to watch because of that passing game for so long. And it's kind of, I guess it's just, I'm just not used to it. Yeah, Possible. Possible. So it's, it's just, just an offensive philosophy to... change, isn't it? It's balanced yeah. rather than. It's not to say it's bad. Time. I'd like, I'd, I'd really like to know what their fans think of it. You know, th- do they care? I mean, they're, you know, if you're I've got, I've got, I, exactly, I've got them predicted to go 12 and 4 by the end of the year. You know, do they do they care? You know, fine. They get a home game three. in January. So I, I mean. think they're going to beat the Vikings. So I think thirteen and three is where they finish. Well, this yeah, is, even better. And then is, they might have the the second seed or whatever. That's right? what I have them down as. This is the ridiculous yeah. thing about the NFC is that you look at the NFC and aside from the team coming out of the NFC East, I don't. And and to be honest, I don't want the Cowboys to be there. And I begrudgingly said it to Rich earlier. If if they make it, I mean, they do have a very talented roster at the end of the day, the Dallas Cowboys, which means that kind of one of those on any day, if they can get hot, when they get hot this year, they get real hot, as we was yep. noted earlier. So on any day, any team in the NFC playoff battle can beat any team, which I don't think you can say as much about the AFC because Baltimore in particular just have kind of started to stand, not head and Steve shoulders above the rest, but they are... They are yeah. moving and a grooving right now. Um, should we go into the wildcard matchups then and have a look at that, at the playoff scenarios that, Absolutely. that you're talking about? So, um, so, so who do you think are going to be your first two seeds? In each, in the Conference. AFC and the NFC. In the AFC, I've got Baltimore and Kansas City will be my one and two. Yeah. And in the NFC, I've got New Orleans and Seattle as my one and two. So they get the buys. Okay. Dave? Mine and Ollie's across the board were all exactly the same. Oh wow! So, so I'm the wild um, card here then. So I've got the Ravens and Pats yeah. as one and two. Oh. <laughs> I've got the 49ers and the Packers as one and two in the NFC. Oh right, oh, very different. Okay, so how the did you, don't how did you get the, to that then? The Packers have got a um a thing. Do you think over, that the tie, the, the Packers gonna... have got the tiebreaker over the Saints? So I've got the Packers, 49ers, and Saints all finishing thirteen and three. But have you got the Titans beating the Saints this week then? No, I've got the Saints beating the Titans. But you've got the Saints losing to Carolina next week? Or have you just, Oh, you've got Green Bay just running the slate from now then. Yeah, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so I I've see. Got, okay, the Saints sorry. Winning, I got I've got you. the 49ers winning both games, the Packers winning both yep. games, the yep. Saints winning both games, and luckily for you, Oli have also got the Eagles winning both games. Okay, that's just foolish, but thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in Wentz. So what's your... Jazz, uh, have, you, have you got... Sorry, Ollie, have you got the um, have you got the Steelers in the playoffs, Jazz? I do. No, the sixth seed. Okay, you think they're going to get in? Yeah, I don't because I think the Titans are going to lose this week against the Saints. Yep. And then I think they're going to lose against the Texans. So I think the, the Titans finish with the record they've currently got, as opposed, well, two games less, so eight and eight. 
if the if the Titans win one of those games, then Pittsburgh are done, really, because they're gonna if they'll beat the Jets this week, sure, but they're not gonna beat the Ravens next week. Yeah, yeah, Jazz. I think That's you're playing. Why I've, got, I've got the Steelers winning one and one. I think you're cool. playing for, in midfield for Sheffield Wednesday as Adam Reach right there for the uh, Steelers to make the playoffs. <laughs> I think you really. I mean, not really. I just I, I don't think the Titans are going to beat the Saints or the Texans. So therefore, by default, the way the standings are currently, Steelers will go in even if they lost both games. Yeah, yeah, fair. So um, that's my that's my top two. So my to round out my ones, I've got the uh, third seed for the AFC, the Chiefs, Texans at four, then Bills, Steelers five and six, NFC Saints number three, Eagles at four. Seahawks at five and Vikings in six. Mm-hmm. Saints at five, yeah. I mean, I do not like the idea of an Eagles Saints matchup. So I've got Green Bay three, Philly four in the NFC with Minnesota five and San Fran six. And then in the AFC, New England three, Houston four, Buffalo five, Tennessee six. So you have I... San Fran losing both games? Uh, I think I did. I have them losing to the Seahawks, yep. And, and the I Rams have them no have them beating the Rams but losing to the Seahawks but the Seahawks have the decider over the San Francisco. So yeah, they'll be twelve and four then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seattle will be um, thirteen and three. San Fran will um, be twelve you're and four. The, you're picking the Vikings to win this week, are you? That's that's yeah. where, that's where I'm wrong. Yeah, well, I did I did think Ollie, there's a there's a horrible scenario where you beat um, the uh, the Cowboys this week on some you know some crazy plays at the end by Wentz in the fourth quarter. And then go and get banged by uh, Eli Manning and the Giants in Week 17. I mean, that isn't that crazy a scenario when you look at the first half. No, I know. Of, oh. It's <laughs> a horrible scenario, matter, though. Would that yeah. matter? Yeah. If the Eagles oh, lost yeah. To, if the Eagles lost the to the Eagles... Giants and the Cowboys beat yeah. Washington on the final day of the, uh, of the regular would... season, then yeah. Cowboys would would go in. They'd go in at eight and eight as well, which is scandalous. Scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's still a. At least it's still not a losing record. I mean, at least it's no. not that. Which, yeah. yeah, I think we discussed that last week we did, on the last yeah, two we times did. that it did it, yeah. Um, in terms of those wildcard games, though, so Green Bay against San Fran, I love watching that, the idea of watching that. I think that could yeah. be fantastic with Garoppolo as like the new pretender, Aaron Rodgers as the old faithful, then both sides have great backfields with versatility and, uh, and a bit of rotation in. Both sides yep. have dependable receivers without too much special I think Kittle could be a huge X factor in that in terms of uh, either of those offences and I think that'd be a really fun watch on uh, it's going to be wild, cold wild, wild as hell weekend. there as well isn't it yeah, yeah. which suddenly hands a big Super advantage cold. to Green Bay it does yeah it will. It would even things up a bit and San Francisco you know as good as they've been this year um, they lost two out of the last four well, and including losing to the Falcons didn't and had a fourth quarter lead against <laughs> like the Falcons as well I had with that Dave <laughs> yeah, I just I'm just gonna take a sip for that <laughs> victory sip. Sorry, Ali, what were you saying? They had a fourth quarter lead against the Falcons as well and blew it. I mean, that's yep. not something you want to see from a good team down the stretch. But the no, Falcons a, are a, a good, good team, team that's supposed to have an amazing defense. But they've yeah. been playing poorly. I think they've got into Matt Ryan came out this week saying they're doing everything they can to try and save Dan Quinn's job. It's like, well, if you just played as good as this from week one, there'd be no discussion about his job, would there? Yeah, do just do I mean? better. Just do better more often. Just then... start playing well from the start of the season. Oh, we're not, we're not going to talk 15. about the Falcons, are we? I thought we were talking about the playoff picture, Jazz. Well, I know. Uh, uh, the 49ers came up and the Falcons bit was there. I just thought I'd just bring that up. It's just been be on nice if you week. nice if you stayed on point. So <laughs> you're welcome, Dave. I'm here all week. Yeah, just rambling along. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I also think Buffalo against Houston will be a 
a fun one in my wildcard predictions with the AFC. Because again, I think the offences are reasonably similar. I think that Buffalo D is far better than Houston's, but I think Houston's offensive X factors are better than Buffalo's. Yeah. So it gives you a nice cancelling out of each other to then go and, uh, and play an interesting game of football in Houston, which would be covered so there'd be no weather element in any way, shape or form. I have to say, I wouldn't be too fussed about watching a war of attrition between the Tennessee Titans offense trying to break down the New England Patriots D uh, and vice versa. And I mean, with the Eagles and Minnesota, that could just be a bloodbath in Philadelphia. That'd be revenge for what happened in the uh, in the championship game a few years yeah. ago. So. Oh yeah, you you drew them out. I was thinking if um, how cool it would be to see uh, the Saints play um, Minnesota again. Um, yeah. After because uh, I, I went back after and watched the, past the interference. It should have been called. Yes, um, and that wild play at, at the end, the Minnesota Minnesota miracle. Oh um, yeah, so but, I'm yeah. thinking of the wrong game. I'm thinking of the Rams. Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's <laughs> yeah. it. Um, the Diggs one but, where uh, Scott Hansen got really crazy. Yes. <laughs> um, the yeah, I went back to watch the highlights of that, and um, I didn't realize I'd like forgotten how crazy it was. There was twenty nine points by both teams in the fourth quarter. Twenty nine. That's yeah. so nuts. And That's big. And the Saints scored with a minute left of the third quarter. So this, the the Vikings were up seventeen to nothing with a minute left in the third quarter. Um, Breeze scores with Thomas, and then the fourth quarter they he scores with Thomas again. Then they score with Kamara and take the lead and then it's and then it's kicks and then the digs Miracle. play at the end. It's yeah. nuts. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Well I that's the, if the uh, So that would be the fun. Saints defender that wasn't covering digs, the safety, had some money on that game because he took out the corner who was about to try and get the tackle. What Williams? It could have been, yeah. The guy who missed the yeah. It it right. It is unbelievable that play when you go back. Yeah. So he doesn't, especially as a defensive back, former defensive back, he he doesn't try and wrap him up at all, even though he's literally going up to get the ball. And he yeah. leads so he's, he's with the crown of the helmet. He he leads with the helmet and he like takes his eye off the ball and the player and drops his shoulder as if he's just like expecting to hit him. It is completely bizarre. Well, he's yeah. his, his helmet is almost at right angles so to the weird. ground when he tries to make that tackle. He's yeah. His face is pointing downwards. But why isn't the... he using his arms? I know. It's... I'm so confused by it. All it, just, it ever yeah. took it, was it is a like he, it, Yeah, it is like he, he had money riding I mean, on they it. Could they just should be inv- bounce, investing they, yeah. that and not the uh, and not the pats. Just yeah. one strong stiff arm. Oh, sorry, mate. That's the end of that play. Game over. It's really weird. But I'm so thankful he didn't make that tackle. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, the it Saints would so, have uh, demolished so the Eagles. I think the Saints would have won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, well, they did. Maybe. So, tough break. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Can't change the past. It's all good. Um, See you later. Just finally, uh, on some of the. Oh, Jazz, actually, your wildcard matchups, because yours are slightly different to, to Dave and I. My are different. So, I got my order wrong as well. So, I choose Packers and Saints 1 and 2, 49ers 3, Eagles 4, Seahawks 5, Vikings 6. So, I have 49ers playing the Vikings. I've got the Eagles and Seahawks, and I've got Chiefs and Steelers and Texans and Bills. So we both agree on the fourth and fifth seed in the yep. AFC, pretty much because that's guaranteed. Mm. Um, but I think that my uh, my 49ers, or Vikings at 49ers, would be a great game. That would be great, yeah. yeah. That would be a great game. Eagles-Seahawks, I agree, would probably be a murder. Much oh, like yeah, Russell, it would, be if it was Russell would. Else. Yeah. Um, and then 
Chiefs and Steelers, I don't think we'd be able to stop my home, so I think Steelers would lose. And then, yeah, attrition, Texans, Bills, definitely. Yeah, but you're think... right, the X-Factors of the Texans, if anything, you can argue that the, the X-Factors of the Texans are the best X-Factors in the league because Watson and Hopkins on their day are pretty much unstoppable. Granted, the Ravens have got Lamar Jackson, but that's one X-Factor. It's not one and two, Yeah, if you know what I mean. But but except that Lamar Jackson is the ultimate X factor this season, and the way he's helped those receivers in Baltimore shine as well. Oh yeah, has been nothing short of spectacular. I think you see a problem every time you face the Ravens in that you're trying to cover three plays at once. It's that whole RPO idea, except yeah, yeah. that it's it's just on another level in terms of speed. And the way you stop Baltimore is you you go hard on that secondary and you rely on a linebacker to be able to cover and get across when Jackson starts to take off. Yeah. And that's kind of the way you slow him down really. And then you hope that he gets beaten up enough that he starts to feel a few aches and pains throughout the game. I think, I think to stop Lamar Jackson, everybody needed to come together at the beginning of the year and just kind of say, right, we just need to make sure we get enough hits on him that by the time he gets to week 14, (laughs) he's not feeling great and he's not running so much. Yeah. Um, I'm quite... sure Greg Williams was chairing that meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Some money was behind that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Greg Williams added you to the WhatsApp group. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, uh, was Vonta's perfect when you needed me? Just, uh, just... Yeah, Vonta's perfect left the group. <laughs> no, one... <laughs> no one needs him. No one needs him. Except for maybe the defence. Uh... <laughs> Let's... um. Any other games this weekend, quickly, that are worth going into before the bets? I mean, it, it's big in the uh, what the NFC West. I mean, the Rams but, 49ers is the other game, isn't it? But I don't buy into the Rams on Saturday night. I, they're, they're useless. But they were That's good fair. the three games before, so... Yeah, flash in the pan for me. Jared Goff isn't a very good quarterback. No, I think that's been apparent this year. It's been apparent that Sean McVay has been the kind of whisper in his ear. And of course, defences now have realised that's the case. So instead of just kind of getting to the line, setting up, they're probably waiting to show what they're doing as late as they can so that way they cut off that communication between McVeigh and Goff. So that way you lose that whisper in his ear that's given him all the information he needs. Yeah. And puts the onus back onto Goff and you say, well, he can beat us. And also, Todd Gurley's not been the same player since his knee injury. Yeah. Not one little bit. They've got great depth on uh, the receiver position, but if Goff can't throw it accurately to them, then there's no point. There's no point. And that defense is, you know, they I think they do miss Ndamukong Sue on the front line this year, and because uh, obviously that's so beneficial for Aaron Donald, because teams do have to worry about both of them. Whereas if he's not there, yeah. it's it's very much the focus is on slowing down Donald first and foremost. Oh, he still sheds yeah. those double teams like I've never seen. Yeah, yeah, but he just um, cuts them incredible. down. It's amazing. But it but it isn't the same D that we've seen in terms of explosiveness on the on the defensive line and, and linebacker core and uh, the secondary even with Jalen Ramsey you know it's not it's not been anything too special no, so not at all. I, I I don't buy that the Rams will be able to really slow down the 49ers on the road this week and I would be more worried about the Arizona Cardinals and their surprise factor against Seattle than I would be about the Rams against the 49ers yeah that could be an interesting one I was um yeah I was looking at that one and I don't know if I don't know if Seattle have come back to the pack a little bit over the last few weeks. They look a little bit more beatable to me. 
The receivers um, haven't been doing a great deal, have they? I mean, Tyler Lockett yeah, has not been what, as good. Lock, Lockett did well last week. Um, he was injured, carrying an injury the few weeks before that, so he might have kind of fixed that. He went over 100 yards and had like, I think, seven, eight targets. So he had a really good week last week. Yeah. They just look, yeah, they do look more beatable. I don't know if it's Wilson is um, getting more pressure on him. But uh, yeah, I don't. It'd be really interesting. It'd be really interesting. Oh, I don't know what. I don't know how they're going to show up in the playoffs. That team is going to. They're they're really really interesting, especially if they've got a buy. Yeah, true. I don't know. All right, let's uh, let's get in some bets and see what is going on this week for the cheeky six team accumulator one pound bet. So uh, of course we're going to go back through what we did last week, don't we? So who won last week? Anyone win last week? Did that? No. In, we did that in the intro, Jess. If you remember. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> we'll just cut this bit out. It's fine. That's a good idea. Um, let's. All right, quick hit. This is what Sky Sports NFL expert and analyst Richard Graves has given us for his. Now these odds are only what were earlier on in the week when we spoke around Tuesday. So these may have changed now. But at thirty-two to one, he's got the Texans to beat the Bucks, the Patriots. Uh, to win against the Buffalo Bills, the Saints Boo. to beat the Tennessee Titans, the Dolphins to beat the Bengals, the Cowboys to beat the Eagles, and the Packers to win at Minnesota. And that gets him 33-1. to 1. And I'm pretty sure he's going to be putting a little bit down on that. Which is okay. Oh, really? It's a safe, yeah, it's a safe, it's a safe one. Um, I don't well, mind no, it. I mean, the Packers aren't favoured. The, the Vikings are favourite in that game. It just couldn't be more different to mine. I'm like, it's like every game is flipped in that for me. So. Okay, what have you got then? <laughs> no, no, it's um, do one of yours first. I need to find, uh, need to find mine. So okay. I'll do mine. So I've got a mixture of again spread and outcome. So I've got Atlanta Falcons minus seven and a half. Got Giants to win against the Redskins. The Raiders to beat the Chargers. The Saints minus two point five against the Titans. The Steelers minus three against the Jets. And the Bengals plus one against the Dolphins. And that returns me 93.75 to one. Ooh, Barry, big balls. Nice. 93. I do have a second one. Oh, Jazzy. He's going for it all. He's going. Are you just getting a gambling addiction? A little bit. Seems that way. (laughs) Second one's a bit more bold. I thought I'd just go bold to see what I could try and rack up. So I've got another six-fold one. Packers to win against the Vikings. Eagles to beat the Cowboys. Raiders to beat the Chargers. Giants to beat the Redskins. Falcons minus 7.5 points against the Jaguars and the Cardinals plus 9.5 against the Seahawks and that returns 179 to 1. Nice. Wait, Cardinals have to beat the Seahawks or they have to get within 7? they have to lose by less than 9 points. 9, okay. Yeah, could could easily happen. I can see a close game there. So if there's a close game, that should win. Well, that that one bet should win. It's the other five I've got to worry about. That's not crazy to me. That that could happen, Dave. I like it. What are you? uh, What are you throwing down? Right. um, Okay, let's have a look. I've got the Colts against uh, beating Carolina. Um, I've got the Bengals beating the Dolphins. I've got the Falcons beating the Jags. Uh, I've got the Vikings beating the Packers. I've got the Patriots losing to the Bills. And I've got the Buccaneers beating the Texans. So I'd say those last two ones are really, those are the ones that I'm least confident about. 
the others are kind of reasonably safe, I'd say. That Bucks Texans one is all about the whole Jameis Winston five touchdowns, five <laughs> interceptions factor. I mean, Every it always week is. We say the same thing. Yeah. Oh, Jazz. Do you want a stat? I always want a stat, my friend. Oh yeah. Let me give you. Uh, let me give you a good stat about Jameis Winston. This is this is a doozy. So I went back and looked because I saw how many passing yards he has already this year, yeah. which is four thousand five hundred and seventy-three. That's pretty good. It is very good, as I will show you. Um, that's an average of 326 per game. Yeah. So over, he's got two more games. And in those two games, if he gets uh, 326 yards, the, the average, he'll be on 5,225 yards for the whole season, which puts him well in the top five yeah. for passing yard seasons ever. Now, if he, this is where it could get interesting. If he, if he gets 905 more yards in those two games, he'll beat Peyton Manning's record. With the Broncos. With the Broncos, that's right. Um, and how many yards has he got over the last two weeks? 914. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and he's playing the Texans' defense and the Falcons' defense. Both shootouts. Potential shootouts. Potential shootouts. So, that's pretty fun. He hasn't got Mike Evans though. I think the loss of Mike Evans will slow him down a bit in that. Oh, is he is he properly out now? He's, I think for the hamstring's season. gone. When, when he scored a touchdown uh, that game, he's he pulled up his hamstring. You, you saw when he was walking around and someone shot him in the back of the leg. There's no coming back problem. from that this season. Yeah, and, that's a problem. And Godwin was limping a bit as well in last week's game too. So yeah, that's both of his star receivers <laughs> might might not be a hundred percent. Yeah, but isn't, out of that. Um, sorry, Ollie, just to complete my point, because I, I just realised another secret note on here. Um, out of those, the top 20 passing seasons, Drew Brees has got seven of them, which is nuts. Um, and only one of them, I had to check this twice because I couldn't believe it, only one of those top 20 passing seasons um, has the QB gone on to win the Super Bowl. That doesn't shock me. Why? Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying that way. it guarantees that um, you're going to have a good. As you, like we're talking about Jameis Winston here. I was going to say you know, when you look at the names and eight or whatever, right? <laughs> but like when you look at the names and the seasons that they had, it's pretty nuts. It's because when it comes back to it, the old adage of defense wins championships coming into it because the 2013 Broncos, the record-setting offense of all time, yeah. played the Seahawks defense that no. The, got wiped, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Seahawks just wiped the floor with them because they couldn't yep. get the ball off. They were intercepted. They were just manhandled. Also, so it's all well and good. Go if, you're, if you're throwing that much, you can argue you're a fairly one-dimensional offense, which, which also makes it easier to look at and read out in a one-game winner-takes-all type scenario and say, actually, when it comes to the playoffs, we can probably get these guys because if they haven't got much of a running game, we can just focus all of our attention on on shutting them down in the secondary and Absolutely. getting pass push. So. So who was that one QB then who got in the top 20 and won a Super Bowl? Who do you reckon? Like part of me wants to say it's Eli Manning and I really hope it isn't. It is Eli Manning! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, he got 4,900 yards in um, that 2011 uh, season. Oh dear. And they went, they went 9 and 7 and dribbled into the playoffs. 
and then uh, and then the rest is uh, history. Well, look, history. look at you're talking about Winston who will make it into the top five, or probably could make should make it into the top five this year. Like the top five are Manning, yeah. Breeze, Brady, Breeze, Breeze. I mean, all of those alone, first ballot Hall of Famers. No worries about that. Roethlisberger, Mahomes, starting to pave his way as a as a Hall of Famer. Dan Marino. You know, Matt Stafford is probably the worst one of those first... He's on there twice, isn't he? Yeah. But the worst quarterback of those first 12 names, and two of those are Matt Stafford. And then throwing Jameis Winston in there, it just shows actually what a pass-heavy league and how how meaningless this stat is if Jameis Winston's up there. It does make me me question how much we put on on yards as a a stat, but it's used a lot. But also remember, it's, it's used a hell of a lot. Sixteen so, week, sorry, sixteen game seasons. Whereas fourteen, you're always going to have far fewer stats because there's two less games. Yeah, yeah, true. You translate yeah, the stats yeah. and add the averages up. It may be slightly different for some of the top twenty, but you don't have that because you have it based on the games played rather than the average and predictions. Yeah, uh, it just Jameis Winston being up there just devalues the whole. I think unfortunately, <laughs> Matt Stafford being there also devalues it a little bit without sounding horrible to him, but. No, the team not. has done not really very much, has he? Yeah, has he's, it, not, he's, he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. I really like Matt Stafford. I think in a better system, he might have in a better situation. Really well. He'd have done yeah. a lot better. But yeah, he's been stuck in Detroit where he mainly had Megatron to throw to and maybe a little bit of Golden Tate every so often. And now he's finally got a couple of receivers, but he's on the back end. And telling that Megatron decided to retire because he was fed up of being the one carrying the load and getting hit so much, which yeah. I totally understand. Just a shame for us. I loved Megatron. Yeah, so, so, oh, good. so dominant. Yeah. Um, right, uh, my six quickly are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win against the Texans, the Bills to beat the Patriots, the Giants to beat Washington, Denver to beat the Lions, the Chargers to beat the Raiders, and the Dallas Cowboys to beat the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going with the smart money, unfortunately, on that one, which gives me 55 to 1. Good odds. Which actually, I think, again, all of those, I can I can talk my way into believing that all of those will definitely happen. So, yeah, well, I think it's not too bad. that's good because you put money on it. <laughs> well, thankfully, it's only that's a pound. That's a good starting point. <laughs> it's a very low bar for a bet. I think but, I can talk myself into saying that's going to happen. What are you What are you getting again, Jazz? I'm getting In your first one, not the crazy one. 93.75 on the God less damn. crazy one, and the more crazy one is 179 to my That's bet. the safe one, the 90 one. Goodness <laughs> yeah, me. That's that safe. Jazz's I've, banker. I don't know if I said my one. I've got 40, 45 to one Playing on it. my one. Playing it safe. So, uh, Playing Very it safe. safe again. Not as safe as my 21. <laughs> yeah, Dave, uh, being a little more dangerous than his winning bet from a week or so ago, and we've all forgotten about that anyway because we've got very short memories here at the Pick 6 podcast. If you want to be involved with the show, get onto Instagram, UK underscore pick underscore six underscore podcast. That's UK underscore pick underscore six underscore podcast where you can follow all of our goings on on there you can also catch us on social media on twitter at pick six underscore pod that's at pick six underscore pod to follow us on there and of course you can like subscribe and review the show on itunes google podcasts anchor.fm our host and many other outlets as well we are tantalizingly close to win or go home sort of football we've got a few of those situations coming up this week anyway Enjoy all of the games, please gamble responsibly and take care in week 16 of the NFL season.